it done. What's more, you gotta get it done. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. Hey, guys, where else would you rather be? Welcome into Hour 2 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your host, the Big Dog, Rick Watson. No Mike Ashley today because he is in Mexico, in Cancun as we speak. And I'm sure he's not conscious. <laughs> Looking at some of the photos he's been posting, he's having a good time. Is he a married man? Yes, he is. His wife's traveling with him. Mm, but he's he, still unconscious. He's huh? retired. He's yeah, retired? Is that right? Yeah, Mike. Is, well, he calls himself, um, what does he say? Three-fourths retired. He still writes some freelance stuff. But, yeah, he's he's at that point, man. He's done. Has he been sucked in by Cardinal News yet? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I know he's been showing a lot of pictures of his feet <laughs> with the drinks that he's having by the pool. And it's like an hourly thing. So I'm assuming. Hard, hard pass. Hard yeah, pass. yeah. No, no feet pictures. Yeah. What's going on with you, man? Will Stewart, by the way, in studio from uh, Tech Sideline. So I'm looking at uh, Pro Football Focus PFF's highest graded defensive tackles from the past season in Power 5. Did you see that one? No, no. I saw where Power uh, Football Focus is getting, PFF getting ripped. But, yeah. Well, you know, that that's we could probably dedicate a whole show to PFF. Yeah. Um, I've, I've read a couple of times how they grade film. And the idea that they are grading every single player for every single team across college football and they're getting it all done by Tuesday or Wednesday, I think their final grades come out on Wednesday. Yeah. That's kind of hard to imagine. And yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, since we went there, let's go there. J.J. Watt was the one who got the big attention. He, he was ripping them the other day because well, apparently the guy who owns it was putting down J.J. Watt for saying something. A guy who actually was – Yeah, because, you know, by the way, J.J. Watt was an all-pro. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, and I think he probably qualifies to talk about the sport more than some dude who's creating a formula. But that's just me. Oh, so we're not talking about PFS grading techniques and all that stuff. We're just talking about people mouthing off in the press. Yeah. Yeah, their well, credi- credibility is at stake, I think, eh, right now. Um, but anyway, yeah. but what so, did you find? What did you find that they came up with? So highest graded defensive tackles in Power 5 this past season. It's interesting. The top two guys are from Texas. Really? Uh, yeah, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, two. <laughs> Byron Murphy the second. <laughs> Number three is our own near and dear to our hearts, Feldarius Payne. He had a great year, didn't Virginia he? From Tech. Um, you know, I, I don't have in front of me the – snap breakdown for Feldarius, but uh, 
he was he was the most productive yeah. tackle when he was on the field. Now, Texas tackles as a group were strong, um, looking at PFF grades. Um, you know, and, and even on the field they were strong. But I don't I, – I, Payne probably got the third or fourth most snaps, and sometimes you just wonder, should he, should he have played more? Yeah, absolutely. But he was just tremendously productive, and I, I didn't – I didn't really expect that, you know, when, when he transferred in, um, because I, I don't remember him having a particularly distinguished career at Nebraska, but he came in and he was great at Tech, which I wish they had him for more time. Um, then number four is a guy from Notre Dame, Howard Cross the third. Number five is Mason Graham from Michigan. Then there's two Clemson guys right after that, Peter Woods and Tyler Davis. So it's interesting that Texas and Clemson have two of the top ten, each have two of the top mm-hmm. ten graded defensive tackles. Number eight is Jerzon Newton out of, I guess that's Illinois' logo. And number nine is Aeneas Peebles out of Duke, who is enrolled at Virginia He's Tech. here. He's <laughs> uh, here. Then number ten is uh, Dante Corleone. Um, who, <laughs> Corleone. Who has left the Sopranos family to, to play defensive Corleone. tackle at Cincinnati. <laughs> well, maybe maybe Fedarius uh, can go like this. It was Cam McCormick. Got his ninth year of eligibility approved by the NCAA yesterday. Nine years. He's going to be in his uh, past mid-20s by the time he graduates or leaves or Miami. I don't understand. He's NCAA. a grown man. He's going to be playing against, in some instances, 18-year-old <laughs> yeah, boys. Yeah. What are we doing? What are we doing? Nine so, years. So what's the story there? Because I, I saw the headline. He, he's had a lot of right. injuries and so forth. Uh, he says, one last ride. Nine years. One last ride, really? One last ride on the cart because he's an old man. <laughs> right, right. He's got his, his joints on the cart. Up. They're going to drive him around in. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. And then, of course, you had the Tez Walker nonsense where they wouldn't let him eligible. And then this, this guy gets a ninth year. I just, and now they're in court with the whole NIL. This whole thing is about to implode, man. Now, remember, the NCAA, every time they go to court, they, they lose. lose. <laughs> they're going to lose this whole NIL. They're going to lose They're going to lose it all. They're, it's about to completely go under. I still, to this day, believe that, you know, the NCAA has always been uh, a decrepit, creaking machine that's going <laughs> to break down at any moment. But I believe that the, the, the moment where everybody realized how powerless the NCAA was was when UNC – Sent those players to all those fake classes. Yes, and yes, and the yes. NCAA couldn't punish. That's them. exactly right. And that's the moment at which you knew paper trails supported everything they did. Every, you know, and and the NCAA under their own rules <laughs> and in the court of law were powerless to do anything about it. And that's when you realized, ah, this organization has no power. I wonder if this, when it comes down and the whole thing goes against them with these NIL hearings, and we had a student-athlete there yesterday, Radford did. Yeah, nice. volleyball player, right? Yeah, that was pretty cool. She did a great job, great job. Um, then I think you're going to see more of a push. At that point, the leagues are going to get together, or the networks are going to get together more importantly, and that's when you're going to have the thing you've been talking about, the big whatever the number's going to be, and that's going to be college football, higher commissioner, Nick Saban, whoever it is, yeah. and – it's going to be a separate entity because it has to be. That's what's going to happen next. Yeah, if you look into the thing that Charlie Baker proposed, he proposed kind of a separate uh, class for some schools. And they can choose to be in it, I think. In reality, the conferences are going to choose. Correct. ESPN's going to choose. Fox and But let's yes. cut right down to it. Yeah. The TV networks are going to choose Absolutely. who gets to be at the top That's level. That's exactly right. 
And so what he proposed was that each school will have a trust fund that money goes into and each player, and I'm sorry, I don't know if this is football only or, or all sports. It's going to have to be all sports because the title not. Right. Each athlete will get paid out right. of the trust fund a minimum of $30,000 a year. The, from what I understand, the athletic departments want NIL to come in-house uh, and be administered by the athletic departments themselves. So you know what's going on, right? What they have right now is donor fatigue and donor confusion because the athletic departments have always asked for, oh, just give us money, give us money, give us money, so we could build buildings and pay for scholarships. And now somebody else entirely is saying, give us money so we can pay athletes. And there's a lot of, like I said, donor fatigue and confusion. And the people who are raising money for the NIL groups are not, you know, in air quotes, professional fundraisers in most instances, like what you have on staff at the Hokie Club and the Rams Club at UNC. They're professional fundraisers. And they want to have their fundraisers going out and raising money for all things, facilities, scholarships, and NIL. And that's why they want it in-house, so they can, you know, keywords always control, yeah, right? Yeah. So they can control it um, It's because it's just difficult to deal with separate collectives. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It, it, it just, I know, well, just taken from a Radford perspective, right? <laughs> yeah. What we're, we're having meetings now, and the money that comes in via the foundation, people who donate, sponsorships, I mean, you're going to, it now has to be allocated toward our own NIL, however it's going to look, because High Point has come in. They're a private school. Private schools have such a massive advantage. This is why Liberty does so well with the money that they have. Private schools like High Point, they have this massive – for our league, I mean, they went out – their whole starting five on their basketball team this year, they had a brand-new coach. Coach Huss came in from Creighton. He had that mindset. He's, he's not going to be in the Big South long. He's a rising star. Their whole starting five – Came from Power Fives. I mean, they they spent I don't know how many two or three million dollars that nobody else in our league has. So now everybody has gotten together, the rest of them, and they're like, "Okay, what are we going to do to counter that? We have to do something." So this is what it's creating this snowball effect for the haves. It's wonderful, and for the ones that are trying to catch up, not so much. Yeah, for the uh, so so in the context of Radford University, High Point is that school. Yes. Yeah, they're the school. Everybody's like, they're like the Alabama, if you will, or the Georgia, whomever you want to compare it to. High Point is the school. Everybody's like, really? Yeah, it's it's NIL is, you know, just looking back at the history of it. Um, there, there are schools that make headlines like Utah giving away trucks to all their athletes because yeah. they've, they've got a booster who, you know, that's the way he supports NIL. Yeah. He's got a chain that, of dealerships. That's right. That's right. And if, and if y'all haven't heard this story, there's a, there's a Utah booster who is providing brand new Ram trucks. Now, they're plastered with advertising for the dealership. <laughs> they are. So they are. I don't know if the athletes can even customize <laughs> their trucks. And we all know young people like to customize Absolutely. trucks. I mean, look out the window at that thing I just <laughs> drove in here today. That thing's got GMC, 2019 black GMC Sierra. It's got fuel rims with, with red center caps. It's got I, – I took the tow hooks off of it, the black tow hooks, and replaced them with red tow hooks. I got running boards on it. I've been customizing my truck. That's what people like to do. You're right. Yeah. It's a personal thing. I don't know if these athletes are allowed to customize these trucks. So it started off with a bunch of football players, maybe every one of them getting a truck, and then some of the female athletes got trucks. Yeah. yeah. Right? 
And uh, I believe it was uh, Texas that said they were going to pay every offensive lineman $50,000 at plays for him, including the crappy ones right. who, who will never see the field. Right. Um, so that has helped them <clears throat> in recruiting. I believe it was Texas Tech came out and said um, um, they're going to pay every football player twenty five grand a year, everybody who's on the team and on scholarship. So you see all and, – and then, of course, the John Ruiz stuff down at Miami. Yeah, that kind of was the first public that I can remember, right? few years ago that came out what he was planning to do yeah and it's it's Ruiz that paid Nigel Pack four hundred thousand dollars to come yeah. to Miami and and who knows how much he's made since right I, I just I you know we, we should set aside five minutes for me to go off on Miami basketball <laughs> well yeah. that's fine because it's basketball season you can that's what I mean that's what we do uh well, well we're already one or two tangent levels down so I, I don't want to go down that uh so, so there, there are headlines like that, and then there are schools that suffer in silence, and then there are schools that are sneaky good at NIL, better than you thought. I mean, I remember when all this stuff came out. You know, granted, I'm on a message. Um, I look at a message board and Twitter every day where everybody's negative. You know. Yeah. yeah. But uh, um, oh, this is not good for Virginia Tech. You know, and it turns out Virginia Tech's plucking some pretty good players they're out one of, of the, the sneaky that's been kind of sneaky good right yeah tech probably falls into that category <clears throat> they they yeah and it's not because they're throwing money around it's because they have more money than you think yeah. and they're applying it virginia tech's not paying 25 grand to guys who let's be honest will suck and won't be here next they're being year. asked to leave the program so I mean, when you the hard Texas, conversation texas tech the twenty-five grand a year they're paying every football player, assuming I got that headline right and I'm remembering things correctly, a lot of that twenty-five thousand dollars they're throwing away. Absolutely, and you're not seeing that at a school like Virginia Tech, which is selectively and smartly applying its NIL money. Um, and you know, tampering goes on. And sure, everywhere. And I'm pretty sure our favorite Orange and Maroon school finds ways to get the word out. Sure, um, sure. And and I honestly I would expect them to I, I that's again that's another tangent everybody else is cheating. you got to play ball yeah no. that's that's what exactly that's why coaches never turn each other in because right. they're all wink wink doing the same thing and if you're not you're just you just don't want to win and you're kind of stupid right you're behind you're behind. now Frank somehow made it to a national championship game without wholesale cheating wholesale <laughs> wholesale. <laughs> I was at Tech at the time. Let's put it this way. I know it went into the Michael Vick recruitment. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and there, was, there, were, there were some other players that were recruited. In well, that uh, Bruce Smith, that's what, that's what put him on probation. That was before that, but that whole thing, right? Yeah, that was uh, – With him. Man, that was something. <laughs> no, I mean, they, they weren't very transparent about what they were doing there. Yeah. But nowadays we look at that and go, what's the big deal? Right, that's just the rules that were in place. It's amazing, right? That what was it? With, they they gave Bruce's dad a load of firewood or something. Yeah, like that? well, there's yeah, amongst the other things that they got. But yeah, well, that's but, the one that. But made now it it's like, yeah. so whatever. Who cares? So, so anyway, um, uh, the athletic departments want NIL in house. From what I understand, the NCAA does not want athletes classified as employees. Right. And I'm not sure why that is. Probably because uh, they'd have to pay them more, you know. But but the NCAA is not the one that makes the money from football, right? You know, they make the money from the basketball tournament. So that's 
if they, I, I think what they're probably afraid of is having to share the money from mm-hmm. the basketball tournament. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think you're right. And everything was okay <laughs> until the money just got too big to ignore. And 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 I, it's funny. I used to be, I used to be that guy who was like, no, these players can't take money and get paid under the table and yada yada yada. But over the years running Tech sideline, you you learn how hard these athletes work and how much of a sacrifice they make. The ones that truly dedicate themselves to their sport, they eat, sleep, and breathe it 24-7, all the time. And, and it is, it's, it's a lot of work, and they are risking their bodies. You see those football bodies flying around the field, and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not, not going to grab a trash can and, and bang on it with a, with a hammer and make noise in the street, but – yeah, these, uh, I'm okay with them getting paid. Absolutely. Hokey Bob says it was Cyrus Lawrence's mom who got the firewood. <laughs> okay. So he's going a little further back. Really? So Cyrus's mom got the firewood. So uh, Hokey Bob goes <laughs> way back. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's, yeah, he goes way back. Interesting. Well, you're right. And I, I changed around back. I, was in, I remember I was, um, I was in college. I was walking around my final exam my senior year. And the news came out that um, this guy named Peyton Manning had sold over a million jerseys at Tennessee. And I kind of knew who he was, right? He was having a good college football year. And, and he didn't get to see a dime of it. There was an article written by a paper around there how he sold over a million jerseys, yet he doesn't see a dime. Now, obviously, we know Peyton Manning's a multi, he's probably a billionaire. But, yeah, but, but then still, you're going, something ain't right here. That's got me thinking. Well, how how can that be? If his number sixteen wasn't on that jersey because he was sixteen at Tennessee, that's right. Then nobody's buying it. Yet the school gets to keep all that money, and he and that got me thinking. Room and board. That's not enough. That's a million jerseys. Who knows how much money that was? And I can millions. I can, I can hear it now. Those young men and women are getting an education <laughs> that, that cost a hundred thousand dollars. They're getting free food. They're getting free health care. Right. There's a lot of value right. in that, and that argument worked. The very first contract that Biggie's football ever <laughs> signed with CBS. Remember, there were eight teams in the Biggie. Yeah, yeah. In 1995, I think it was the Biggie's signed with CBS for sixteen million dollars a year. That was huge for the entire conference. Right. That was like a big deal, too. Two million per school. Now, if an athlete has wow. an education that's worth $100,000, okay. Sure. Now, sure. now that each school is making thirty-five to $80 million, <laughs> each school's making thirty-five to $80 yeah, million school. a year, <laughs> it's hard to look at a $100,000 education and, and say that that's equitable. Yeah. I don't like the word equitable. but No, it's that, true. Yeah. It's true. It's a fascinating um, discussion. It is, it is. That's why we have Will Stewart in the studio. We'll break away, come back. More coming up. Who knows what direction? We got to get. I want to get into Mike Young's basketball team a little bit because Tech Sideline, not just a football entity, they cover it all. Or do we? We'll be back. More coming up with Will in the studio. Great discussion. You can uh, send your thoughts, 744-2990 on the text line. We don't have much 
time, and I wanted to get in Mammy Bites here <laughs> at the very least. Because Will has introduced me to a new song we're going to have for you coming out of the break. Bottom of the hour. That every working man and woman will appreciate. Will Stewart in studio. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, tech men's basketball. Women, too. I mean, um, that's a whooping last night. Yeah. Things not going according to plan right now in Blacksburg. We'll be back. Self-awareness and sense of humor about himself. See, this is somebody who gets it. <laughs> In the video, he's got this really, really, really good-looking wife, and he's, you know, a little, a little corpulent. She's a cloak for that. In his purple robe. Let's go to the uh, Baker Team hotline. I think we have someone who wants to join. Hey, good morning. Who's this? It's Rocky. How are you doing there, big dog? Hey, Rock. How you doing, man? We got Will Stewart in studio. Good morning. Oh, great, man. I got a couple questions uh, about the Radford Highlanders men's basketball team. Number one, what the heck is going on? TBD. <laughs> that's, a, that's avoiding the question, right? Yeah, it's not. it wasn't good the other night. Uh, tomorrow is going to be uh, another tough test from USC Upstate, who actually beat Radford last year in the Dedman Center. So, uh, um, yeah, wasn't wasn't good on Wednesday night. Well, I haven't been to a game this year, Rick, and I think That's I might need to go to get this team back on yeah, track. I really do. I'm like, we got a home game tomorrow. Is it 2 p.m.? 2 p.m., man. Come on out. I think maybe your vibe has been missed in the building, Rock. I really do. Okay. Well, I plan on being there. Um, they are 1-3 and three in conferences. Is that correct? That yes. Correct. That is correct. What would you do to fix the team, Rick? <laughs> um. I would. Well, what can you say on the radio that won't get you in trouble <laughs> that you think would be a helpful suggestion I will, to the coaching staff and I will, the players? I will heed uh, the advice that Darius Nichols, the head coach, said after the game on uh, Wednesday. This team needs to start playing like a collective unit and not like a group of individuals. I think you have guys that have forgotten that, oh, yeah, I can help out somebody and that'll help us be more successful than always trying to do something in which your position as a guy who's been focused on to be kind of taken out of the offense that maybe you haven't recognized. So I think recognition of certain situations has to improve. I think that's nearly impossible, and I know this coaching staff is very skilled. It's a very talented coaching staff. But these players, the way things are in the world right now, you know, these players are trying to showcase their skills. They're trying to put themselves at the front because 
of the way things are. You know, everyone is pressured into believing that they're this special individual, and maybe they all are. Maybe they all are special individuals. But it, that's really hard. I mean, I don't know how coaches do it and how they're supposed to do it these days because everyone has got it in their mind that they are, you know, this special person that's going to make millions of dollars for them and their family. And, you know, they're trying to showcase that they are a top elite player that scouts need to be looking at. Um, they've worked hard their whole career to be a top elite player. I, I think that is the number one hardest thing any coaching staff has to do right now. And it's, it's always kind of been like that, but now it's in overdrive. Now it's out of control. What do you think, there's, Will? There's that's really a, that's uh, a good point. That's a, I was going to say, Rock. That's a good point. I wanted Will to chime in. I think you're. I think you're on to something. I mean, we're going to see more of what Rocky's talking about. It's funny. As he was talking, I was thinking: Is it possible that players at lower levels are basically auditioning to transfer up, and therefore yeah. they're trying to rack up sure. stats and be the man, as opposed to being part of a team? If you get to the top of the food chain, a guy like Buzz Williams is going at Texas A&M is going to build culture within the team because you're at the top of the food chain. You're getting paid good NIL mm-hmm. money. What do you do if you're down at the Radford level and, and a team gets away from you because guys are they're looking at their next destination? Now, I'm not accusing any of the players on Radford. No, no, no. Just that. in general, though, I think Rocky's onto something. But Rocky's yeah. right. It, it is yeah. a thing that you got to consider that's going on here. Yeah, it's a good point, Rock. Well, a lot of these players are going to have opportunities to play overseas. Yeah, oh, yeah. And that's yeah. the next step for them. Sure. Um, sure. You know, playing at a place like Texas A&M or, you know, moving up the food chain, I think for a lot of these players, you know, having a professional career, and yes, playing at a school like Texas A&M, you are, that is a professional career. Um, <laughs> but a lot of these players are going to try and, you know, do what's best for themselves. And I, I just don't know how you coach that anymore. I don't know how you fix that. Um, but it's got to be fixed in the next couple of weeks because the Highlanders have the potential, like any other team in the Big South, to get hot, win the tournament, and go to the dance. And that's that's the only thing this season is about. And if these players want to showcase their personalities, their skill set, going to the NCAA tournament is the most single important thing they can do to get attention for themselves. And if they want to get attention for themselves, get on a hot streak, get on a heater, win the tournament, go to the dance. I mean, that, that would bring as much attention as anything in the world to them as individuals. I think maybe that's something that uh, Coach Nichols has got to sell. He's like, hey, if you guys want attention, you want to get up your profile, let's you know win the tournament and go to the dance. That's, that's the number one thing they can do to get all the attention in the world focused on them. So, uh, Big Dog, question about the Minnesota Vikings. Do you think that is a realistic destination for Russell Wilson? I don't think anybody – well, maybe after he's released, nobody's going to trade for him with that contract. But sure, maybe they would look at it. I don't know. They're going to have to make a decision on Kirk Cousins, who's due to make more money coming up, even more. So, yeah, maybe so. Um, but that'll come in March or April when uh, that final release happens so they don't have to worry about any cap hit other than the dead money. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think he's done playing. So. I just don't imagine what a Minnesota Vikings fan could deal with, you know, going from Cousins to Russell Wilson. That That is like getting punched in the stomach twice in a row, man. <laughs> I just, I don't know how any Vikings fan could actually deal with that, man. Now that That is like, what are you doing that you're just going from worse to worse? That, that, that is crazy talk for the Minnesota Vikings to go in that direction. But hopefully they do, because I don't care. Get rid of Russell Wilson. It's time to move on. That's all I got. Big dog. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Ron.
Um, about Tech basketball, I want to talk about your, your take. We had a, some people yesterday that were writing in suggesting that maybe um, Mike Young won't be able to get Tech beyond where they are. That uh, I heard, I read text messages about, oh, he had the one hot week where they shot the ball and won the ACC, but what has he done overall? And I'm, I've got a personal relationship with him, so I'm going to be honest. I'm a little biased here. I was very close with his father. So I, I dismiss that. I believe he's – going to be okay I think he's got he's got to recruit better I think he'd be the first to tell you that but what's your assessment when you separate where Tech's men's basketball program is right now he doesn't just have to recruit better he's got to retain better yeah uh, Darren Buchanan transferred now Darren Buchanan and Rodney Rice were both they came here because of Mike Jones correct and that's the assistant that they hired out of DeMath yeah yeah and then Jones leaves and those two players leave and Buchanan's doing well I think he wound up at uh, GW and Rodney Rice has chosen for some reason to sit out the year. <laughs> He'd rather which, sit out than have stayed. Yeah, yeah, which which blows my. I don't mind, understand. But, I don't um, understand. You know, I think Rodney got some bad advice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, in some respects, Mike Young's recruiting is okay. The retention needs to be better. That's a good point. Yeah, um, keep guys. You know, if you you look at, I, I think the concern about oh he just got that one shining moment is that's a valid concern. Yeah. If you if you look at uh, and I'm sorry I don't know the exact records, but that team that won the ACC championship, they finished seventh in the ACC, mm-hmm. and that included going nine and two in their last eleven regular season games. They got hot year. late. That's right. So they That's they true. were they were something like two and seven. Yeah. Then they ran off a bunch of yeah. wins, and that continued through the ACC tournament. Then they lose in the NCAA tournament, and then the next year they start out eleven and one. So we just described a 20 to 25 game stretch where they barely lost at all. But other than that, the record's not great. Yeah. And Mike Young's career, going back to his, his days at Wofford, now Wofford's, I know it's a different animal. It's not well funded and all that stuff. Mike's a 550 coach, 0. 0.55%, 0.55 of his games. That's, that's how, that's career, what he has done. And he has had years where he's, Everything has crescendoed into a really good situation, like the the final Fletcher McGee years. I think they went thirty five and five one yeah, year or something crazy yeah, like that. Massive season down there, you know. Yeah. So this, what is happening here at Virginia Tech is what has happened in Mike Young's career. Um, That's and, fair. That's and, fair. And, and they can they can catch lightning in a bottle is difficult. Keve Aluma wasn't much. Came here and developed into something. Justin Mutz, you know, they picked yeah. up a rock. And high were, point. There was <laughs> Justin Mutz. Yeah. Yeah. Started at Delaware, high point. Yeah. Um, Storm Murphy was a bust until he figured it out those last 10 or 15 games. Um, so they, they did kind of catch lightning in a bottle that year in the beginning of the next year. Um, you know, one of the things people say, and I, and I think this is, I think this carries some weight to it, is Mike is a system coach. You have to be in his program for a while before everything gels and you figure things out both as an individual and a team. And he did have that advantage with that really good team. Storm Murphy had, had I think, played for Mike for a couple yeah. years before he transferred. Right, right. Aluma had played under him. Everybody else that was there, Hunter system Couture. System That's a great Watson, point. They, yeah. they, were yeah. all, they were all in the system. When you have roster turnover for a guy like Mike, it makes things difficult. And you can see that in this year's team. Some of these guys are still trying to figure out their roles. They don't know what to do. Yeah, you know. And as you, as you look around this team, they got two or three guys that can score. They got Hunter. They've got 
they had Lynn Kidd. He's not scoring lately. No. And they got Sean Padula. And there's they're not getting consistent production out of anybody else. And it's not just about offense. It's about defense. Look at that UVA game the other night. Yeah. They ran that same pick, go down yeah. to the baseline, lay it in over and over and over. Yeah, ten times. And so one of the issues there is Tyler Nichols playing at the three, and he can't really defend the three. Uh, you know, Mike Young was on our podcast, and our guys were asking him, where is so-and-so going to play? And Mike said, well, you are who you can guard. Yeah. If you can guard the three spot, then you're a three. If you can't and you can guard the four spot, then you're a four. So there's some of that going on. Um, things are just out of sync. Yeah, feels like the it. The ball movement is not there. No. Um, and, and the turnovers, too. Padula's turnovers are just a massive problem. But, you know, right his now. turnover rate is like fourth on the team. He's not even the guy. I, that know. Turns it. I know. Now the ball's always in his hands. That's why, yeah, it gets more magnified when he has the seven turnover game that he had. And, and, and he's, in it's, he's in a difficult situation because he can, he can make some crazy shots and do some crazy things. And so I, I know in his mind, he's like, we really need a bucket. I can drive to the hole and make a great pass and have somebody brick a three. Or I can just put it out myself. Yeah, right. You know? Right. So he's he's trying to walk this tightrope where he's got to be productive and carry the team, but he also has to get everybody else involved. But when he gets everybody else involved, they don't make their shots. It's tough. Everything's out of sync right now. Um, I just know that, man, there was a point in the UVA game the other night where I swear, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm on the message boards during the game. No, I'm no. not keeping super good track. But it looked to me like late in the game there was a stretch where Tech came down the floor three or four times and the ball never left Padula's hands and when you and I were growing up we called that kid a ball hog Mm -hmm. and we didn't want to play with we didn't want to play on this team right you know Uh, so I worry about that and I I know that Sean is struggling with that trying to help them win but not getting way outside the system and pissing off his team right that's you know the trust issue say here I can give the ball up and we're going to be okay he doesn't have that right now yeah, so they're you know they're currently uh, I think it's eleven and seven overall, two and four ACC, and I looked at their schedule during the break, and I don't know that they're going to win a, win a game on the road. Winning on the ACC's in on the road in the ACC is really hard. So hard to do. Most of their games are tough. They they're going to Pitt and to Louisville late in the year, and they might be able to get mm-hmm. one or both of those, right. depending upon how things are going. Um, at home, maybe five hundred at home. You know, that this, unless something changes, unless some light bulb magically goes on, this is the team you got this year. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you know, the whole, the whole hiring of Mike Jones turned out to be a damn bust. Yeah. You know, if, if you go back and look at Texas recruiting classes while Mike Jones was here, they're nicely rated. Those guys aren't here anymore. That's right. And, and the whole um, Rodney Rice thing, <laughs> it was the timing of it. He left. Yeah. He left like weeks before this. So late. Thanks, Rodney. Now we can't replace you. Right. We can't do anything about it. So now we have a void forever. Now you want to talk about the pressure on Sean Padula? It, there'd be less pressure if there was a Rodney Rice out there. But you know, it is what it is. It this, is. This season isn't about oh, uh, the season went south because Rodney Rice transferred. Um, no, it's an accumulation. It of is. It is. You know, including Robbie Barron, who is is. Uh, Oh. Still trying to find his role. Yeah. I think Tyler Nickel will eventually. He he needs to defend better. Maybe they'll move him to the four. Yeah, feels like he's got his best basketball still coming. Right. Yeah, consistently. That, he had some 
golden opportunities to hit some important threes at UVA the yeah, other night. Now, he went two of seven from out there, and there were at least two more that were wide open and in rhythm that he didn't make. But you're right on it. When we opened up at Carolina, Radford, and I was talking to some people about nickel, they said, that's why he's not here. He can't, he can't defend anybody. He had no interest in doing what Hubert wanted him to do. No interest in it. Yeah. That's not good. And he was like, he doesn't want to sacrifice. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if that's what we're seeing now, why he is off to the slow start in Blacksburg. Well, that's a, I think that's a culture thing. And uh, ironically, I had a UNC game on the other night, and the announcers were talking about how UVA, excuse me, UNC is playing better because their defense is getting yes, better. Yes, exactly. So I was about to criticize their defensive culture, but I don't know. You know, it, He may have recognized that with some of the players that he had, I mean, to his credit. Interesting. Because he knew this was a contract year for him. He had to have a good year, and so far, here they are, number four in the country. So. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> a guy that I didn't think could coach a lick, he's got his team playing pretty good. Yeah, they do. They of course, do. he's got, you know, 30-year-old Armando Bay. Yeah, exactly right. The bad boy mowers represent. <laughs> I've, I've, have you seen a bad boy mowers ad with no, Armando in it yet? No, I have not. I have not. I have not. He might end up with nine years of eligibility <laughs> if this thing keeps going the way it's going with him. Good Lord. Yeah. Hey, so he's still here. Hey, Armando. Dude. I know you got to go to a break, but but I, t- I told fans on our basketball board on December first. I said lower your expectations. And well, now, and then Hunter Couture gets hurt. And yeah, a couple games. It shows you how much when he's not on the floor, man. This team is just they are they're lost on both ends without yeah, it. Georgia Amor cough cough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That happened last night. All right, we're back to wrap up segment with Will. Hour two after this. All right, we are uh, back to uh, wrap up our segment here with Will Stewart. Uh, Will, Big Al called in. Want me to let you know how much he enjoys your segment here on the program. Wanted to say hello. Will, uh, this is the guy who has the longest consecutive Virginia Tech football game streak of anybody I know. He's getting close to 400 here soon. 360? Something like that. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Well, I appreciate it, Big Al. Uh, I'm only here because it's a paying gig and I got bills I got to (laughs) pay. Just right. like Lunch Money Lewis. I go to work, work, work every day. <laughs> mm. uh, that was good stuff. That was good stuff. <laughs> All right, Tech women last night, I mean, uh, they get off to a 13-1 to lead. It looks great. And then they just get absolutely swamped in the second half. And now Georgia, we don't know about her. It looked like a concussion. I won't speculate because nothing's been released. But, boy, you could really tell how lost they were. You just talked about it. It's the same thing on the men when Hunter's out. She's not on the floor. That program is lost. Boy, on offense, the ball slowed down to a crawl without her on the floor. Mm. Um, and I, I like I like Carly Wenzel. Um, Carly came in studio and did a brief podcast with us and uh, stepped in against Iowa and hit a three-pointer. But uh, I think Carly's lost her confidence. You can tell by the way yeah, she's playing. Yeah, the way playing. she's playing. Yeah. yeah. Well. Um, and so uh, – you know, that, that's one of those things that will resolve itself over time. You know, I don't know who's going to play the point if Georgia can't If she's play out it. for a while, yeah. yeah. Um, she's probably in concussion protocol. She had that look. She got elbowed in the head and got up wobbly. Same look Hunter had yeah. <laughs> when, when yeah. he got up. Now, he was out about a week, week and a half, you know. And, boy, you got a glimpse of the future um, without Georgia on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenny's got a big challenge ahead. Once this group's this core group's gone, he's got a yeah. huge. It, it, it just it's amazing to me. I'm just blown away how much it reminds me of Bonnie Hendrickson's era because I was working with Bonnie. She said everybody thought we were going to be able just to do this every year, but it's tough to find that once you have it, you've got to capitalize on it because she never could. That's what cost her her job. She never could 
in well, that, that program back. That ninety eight ninety nine team that went to the Sweet Sixteen, they they were special. They they had two or three special players. Yeah, absolutely. But up and down the roster, the chemistry was good, it and they were was, tough was, as nails. They were the those, toughest kids I've ever been around. Tough. They were man. They wanted. They were very tough, mentally, yeah. physically, you name it. And then you know, Bonnie eventually left because uh, Lou. Uh, I can't remember his last name. Lou Perkins, who who was he was the AD at Connecticut. Mm-hmm. He went to Kansas and. Offered Bonnie half a million a year at a time when Bonnie was making two twenty-five at Tech. Right. So Bonnie goes into Jim Weaver's office and says, "I just got offered five hundred. Yeah. Jim says, "Take it. Bye." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not investing that in women's basketball. Nope. Now you got a coach making a million dollars. All right. Good stuff as always, my friend. Have a great weekend. All right. Thanks, Rick. There you go. That's the Will Stewart from Tech Sideline Hour Three. Jen, straight ahead as we roll along on the finally Friday edition.